are lots of lousy businesses. And there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job over the years has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio. From the AM640 studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Good morning, Toronto, and welcome to Hi-Fi Radio on AM640. Jack is away, and the mice shall play. Filling in for Jack, of course, Mike Bellamy, financial planner, Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show, Wolf. And uh, Mike brought his uh, partner with him, shall I say, Allie Adams, in marketing. She is going to be our millennial guinea pig today. We all love millennials. I love millennials. And I think millennials get a bad rap, but we're here to help millennials. Uh, so that is going to take place. Of course, back by popular demand, Brad Lamb of Lamb Developments is going to kick off the show later in it. We're going to talk charity with my favorite charity in Toronto called Covenant House. I'm going to talk to you how you can save a lot of money in taxes and do a lot of good helping those youth in our city. We're going to end the show off with Phases and cycles. Ooh, it sounds cool. It's a bit of tea leave aspect of our business when we read charts, technical analysis, we call it. Uh, a veteran to Bay Street, Ron Misos, and he's stationed out of Montreal. Go figure. But right now, let's focus on real estate because it is such a wonderful burning topic in Toronto. Mr. Brad Lamb, welcome back to the show by popular demand. Well, thanks for having me. Are you, are you excited? <laughs> very excited. <laughs> well, thank you very kindly on this long weekend. Um, Brad, where to begin? Uh, we, you know, we continue to talk about real estate and the pricing of real estate. Uh, you know, back at the office last week, Jack, my right-hand man who is not with us today, uh, as he comfortably rests on the couch, uh, said, Wolf, Aurora has gone no bid. Uh, and a friend of his put a house on the market in Aurora, uh, and it went no bid, no buyers. Uh, since the announcement by Kathleen Wynne uh, and the uh, foreign taxes placed upon uh, such purchases. So what is taking place? Give us the pulse of the markets. My market, the stock market, is always live. I can see prices. Yours is different. So you are on the show because you really are a boots-to-the-ground kind of a guy. Where are we at in terms of pricing right now? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, – I, I can't comment on Aurora, but I, I can tell you what's happening in the big city. And uh, – uh, last year at this time in, in the in the central you know central to me is the is is uh, Egg, Young and Egg uh, the waterfront DVP and Dufferin okay so that's like our I consider it sort of our downtown core mm-hmm. last year at this time there are 2,200 condos for sale uh, this month this you know May 15th when we last checked there were 1,300 units for sale. A month ago, there were 900. So we went from 900 to 1,300, but last year at this time, there were 2,200. So, you know, there, there is a, a surge uh, of inventory, but it's, it's absolutely not enough to satisfy the requirements. So, you know, what we were seeing in the condo market and the single-family home market in, in the core is, uh, you know, 7 to 20 offers on a property. And, uh, and and so you know that nobody wins with that. No one's happy. You know the buyer thinks they overpaid. Uh, I suppose the only people that are happy are the sellers if they're actually going to leave you know, Toronto forever. But no one's happy in that kind of situation. Last, yesterday we sold seven uh, properties in my office, and all seven had multiple offers, anywhere from two to four bids. Um, one house was listed at nine ninety nine, and it sold for one point three seven five. 
a condo in uh, a hotel complex. Um, a lot of people don't know it's a hotel complex. It's a, sort of the Young and Dundas area, but uh, you know there's a hotel operating in the building, mm-hmm. and uh, it was listed at 339. It sold for 346 with three offers. Uh, so you know um, the market is still extraordinarily hot. Um, it's not you know scintillating, but it's still very hot and uh, and nothing the government's done is going to change that i mean e- even they know that their moves were more uh more for show than for for actual you know reality it's it, it's it was it was like they had to do something and they did you know what what was the most benign thing possible they tried to affect 5% of the marketplace which is investors from overseas mhm uh story cbc news province to replace Ontario Municipal Board with less powerful tribunal. Uh, For years, neighbourhood groups and city councillors have considered the Ontario Municipal Board too powerful body that favours developers forcing projects that local people don't want onto communities. Now the Wynn government is getting rid of it. Comment on that, Brad. Yeah, it's a total disaster. And and the thing is, you know, so local rate payers... Um, you know, are the source of this, you know, pro-developer board. It's not a pro-developer board. It's pro-places uh, to grow. The the Ontario Municipal Board is is all about Ontario. It's not about Toronto. Correct. It's about the province's uh, guidelines for growth, which don't always intersect with the cities, and they certainly don't intersect with NIMBYs, right? Mm-hmm. So from a NIMBY standpoint, if they want a five-story building in their neighborhood and someone's proposing 20, well, five is not realistic. Maybe 16 or 17 is realistic. The city would back 16 or 17. The developer wants 20. He goes to the board, and the board says, well, there's no reason why, that, you know, why not 20? It's, it makes perfect sense from a policy standpoint. There's no reason why we shouldn't approve 20. So the thing about the Ontario Municipal Board was, was was that it was the only, only place of sane, educated review. You cannot expect a homeowner in a neighborhood to be sane about about a development in their area because they're they're, they're they care about their kids of and their course. own life, and they don't care about the city. They 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 say they do, but in the end of the day, they care sure, about themselves. themselves. Right? Of yeah, no, not in my backyard, NIMBY. Of course, uh, Brad of course. Lamb, Lamb Developments, Lamb Realty. Stay tuned. We're going to bring Brad back. He's just too hot to pass. Right after this. Money. Stay with us. There's more show still to come. That's what I want. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. That's what I want. Welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio. If you have any questions about today's show or financial questions you need answered, go to WolfgangKlein.com. And now back to the show. Here's Wolfgang and Jack. Brad, lamb. Does that howl frighten you, lamb? What's that? Does the howl frighten you? No. Being a lamb? No, you're, you're a tough uh, lamb. Not, right? not much frightens me. Much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it, and you know you it. Know, bad, bad government frightens me. That's what frightens me. That's classic. You know, it's funny. Uh, the, I sent you uh, the, one of the blogs I read, The Macro Tourist. I sent it to you, and I said, Brad, I hope you can read this before you come on air. It's a very, very brilliant piece, and it, it opens with three pictures of three kids. And it's funny that you mentioned that because the quote is, what scares you the most? The first kid says, sharks. Second kid says, the unstoppable market marching of time that is slowly guiding us all towards an inevitable death. And the third kid says, ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. What scares you the most? Um, Brad, I want to ask you, so in that, in that report that um, Kevin Muir wrote, The Macro Tourist, 
He said a few years back under the Obama administration, the United States instituted the FATCA Act, the Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act, designed to ensure that the U.S. government collected all the tax money they felt they were owed. It goes on and on. It bases 90 countries around the world have or are in the process of, of, of signing onto it. And so what does this matter to anyone? Well, it matters in that it's all about disclosure. People living in China are to disclose all of their financial transactions, financial accounts to the local authorities, with one exception, real estate. As such, if that is the case, is this perhaps the reason why Asian money is pouring into Canadian real estate. It need not be disclosed under the FATCA Act. Well, you know, it, it, it's. Um, I think Asians are are uh, you know a target for for you know the, the the source of this international money. But I have to tell you that we do a lot of transactions with Indians and Pakistanis and Iranians. Iranians are a huge source of buying. A few years ago, it was Russians, Chinese, for sure. But you know, there's there's many, many. Uh, like I would say, the United States and Europe are not a big, you know, in my world, big buyers of, of real estate in Toronto. But you know, most of the second world, third world countries. I mean, if you have money, yeah. But sorry, Brett, I want to stop you for a second, if I may. I'm going to derail you, as your brother said. And I apologize for that, Brett. Um, but signed to this, signed to this, to this list, my friend. Um, Argentina, Barbados, Belgium, Bermuda. Uh, Bulgaria, the Cayman Islands, Colombia, the list goes on. This is, this is a global story allowing global citizens, if they want to move money quietly, don't do it with your financial assets, do it with real estate. And, and, and we as Torontoans, I think, have been sniffing out this foreign money coming here as, as a safe haven because we are a safe haven nation. We actually still have triple A credit and, and that's what they want. They want stability in currency, stability in government uh, and stability with rule of law and real estate has been their haven. Of course. It, it's um, Which brings me to the next part of the story here is my millennial friend, Allie Adams, who is with us in the studio. And again, she, at some point, I'm certain, wants to buy some real estate. And my guess would be her first look would be a condominium. How can you help my friend, Allie Adams, in marketing, the millennial of choice, get into the real estate market? Well, I, I, I got to tell you that I don't I don't think it's, it's up to me. I think it's up to Allie. I mean, what she needs to do is... Uh, and this is going to sound very cliche, but it's the truth. It's what I did, and what's you know everyone I know that's. I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to like what you're going to say. Well, I'm going to say on, that yeah. you need to work hard. You need to impress your boss. You need to get raises. You need to save money, and you know save money. Bingo. Of course, beneath live beneath your means, right, Brad? Of course. You did it. I know you did it. Of course. Listen, today, today I live on ten percent, maybe five to ten percent of what I earn, and I've always, I've always plowed. You make a lot of money. I can tell. Well, you I do, but but you know when I didn't, I still did the same thing. I the reason why I have a lot of money is because I took everything I could and plowed it in my case into real estate, and it worked out for me. I mean, it, you know, it's a big wave of value increase took place in Toronto the last 30 years. But what I would say to Ali is there's no, there's no magic fix or magic pill. It's work hard, impress your boss, get raises, save money, and then have the nuts. I know she doesn't have nuts. She's a woman, but have the nuts. <laughs> actually buy something and, and, and filter out the noise, which inevitably is going to try, try to drown you out, right? Everyone's going to tell you why you can't do something. Tell, you know, tell them, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do it. And that's the key. You know, so many people, 
over the last few years have missed so many opportunities as prices have rolled upwards. You know, listening to hedge funds and negative people and the market's going to crash, that's all irrelevant. You're buying a home. You're going to buy a home. You can afford it. Keep it for 30 years. You're not going to lose. You're not going to lose. You won't. No, I, I agree with you, 30 years. And in my business, Brad, you know something? There's There's been no 10-year rolling average, 10-year rolling average where you lost money in equities. So, uh, yeah, long-term solves problems. Short-term, much more difficult, of course, to predict. Uh, but again, you just look at the prices, uh, you know, eight to 10 times income right now is what the numbers are at. They are getting, I shall say, a bit daunting from our end. And we do know all asset prices, Brad, uh, and, and boys and girls, of course, listening to Hi-Fi Radio. Of course, you are joined with Brad Lamb today. Um, uh, all asset prices have been goosed higher by cheap money globally. And guess what? I believe cheap money is going to remain. Brad, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. My friend, you ain't getting far from me because I'm going to have you back right here. And I really appreciate your time this long weekend. You have yourself a good one, okay? Thank you. All right, man. See ya. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, we're going to spend a little more time with our millennial Allie Adams uh, as she shares with us uh, some time with Covenant House. So we're going to cover it all off. A little charity, a little millennial grooming, and a whole lot of fun right here on Hi-Fi Radio AM 640. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM 640 studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. Welcome back to the show and good morning. My friends, it is better to give than to receive. And as such, on the line we have Josie from Covenant House, my favorite charity in Toronto. Josie, thank you very kindly for joining us on this long weekend to talk about Covenant House. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Wolfgang. It's my pleasure. Yes, you're very, very welcome. So this this is a show about money, and you are a charity. So where's the bridge? The bridge is, boys and girls, brothers and sisters, and I, I shall repeat the word, brothers and sisters. This is the opportunity, of course, to learn how to give money to charity and get yourself some money back. So if you are perhaps part of the 5% or 10% or just you know a, a generous type person uh, if you're able to give to the point let's just say 5000 or $10,000 to charity and you're in the top tax bracket if you gave $10,000 to charity you would receive $5,000 back from the government so in fact you're out of pocket 5 grand however the charity received the full 10 thousand dollars so for to you to give 10 really only cost you 5 that's a two for one bang for your buck who can argue with that? That's like 100% return on your money, and I'm all about rates of return. So, uh, Josie, I want you to talk to us now after people, as your phone lines are ringing with people pouring money into you. I want you to tell us <laughs> what is all the good work that Covenant House does. And I saw your income statement and balance sheet, and boy, you guys need money to operate. It's about $25 million, uh, I think, of expenses that run through Covenant House each and every year. So you're obviously doing a lot of activities taking care of people. So what does it you guys do? Uh, you're absolutely right. Money is so important to the work that we do. Um, we have $25 million, as you said, but we actually raise more than 80% of that. So we're highly reliant on donations in order to do the important work that we do. So Covenant House is uh, Canada's largest uh, agency serving homeless and trafficked youth. And we have a number of services and programs that we provide uh, on an annual basis to really help those uh, young people uh, move forward with their lives. 
And um, so, you know, we see about 250, uh, 250 kids a day. Um, and that's a lot of kids and they, you know, they, 200, range, sorry, 250 new faces a day, not necessarily new faces a day, but, uh, on an average day, we would see 250 I kids. See. So it could be kids who are staying in our residential programs or P or kids who are coming in, uh, for drop-in services. So we have like a really, um, large breadth of services here all under one roof. And that's just the one, the facility in Toronto? Yes, we have a, a facility just on uh, Gerard and Young. It's right by Ryerson and, where I went to school. Right? I, I know it was yeah. a beautiful building. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so we have like a 96-bed um, shelter program there. And then we have a 28-bed uh, um, program that is uh, transitional housing. And then we also have uh, apartments in the community for kids. So we have like this continuum of care so that kids really learn how to become independent while the staff are still supporting their independence and their life skill development. Um, so we have a, a number of programs here um, that help kids. Um, counseling, as an, as an example, uh, we counsel kids with issues related to mental health, substance use, trauma. We have a healthcare clinic. We have uh, an employment program. We have a job training program. We have a high school, an adult ed program. So you get a sense for the kinds of programming that we do to really get these young people uh, to a place where they can be um, independent and, and sort of turning their lives around and giving them an absolute opportunity to have um, uh, a future in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, J Josie, uh, my, my, my sidekick, Jack Hartle, uh, is resting at home. And, and so he's under competitive threat right now by Michael Bellamy, our financial planner. He's, Michael, Michael wants to ask you a question here. Hi, Josie. Okay. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I just had a quick question about the, do you have companies that um, set up internships for these younger kids? Or is that something you guys have looked at or something that you guys do right now? Yes, actually we do. Um, one of the programs that we have that's quite successful with our youth is our Cooking for Life program, and it's a culinary arts training program. We have a, a full-on kitchen with a chef here. It's a 17-week program, and we have... Can I send us some food? We're hungry in the studio <laughs> you right now. It's can you send over. some bacon and eggs, maybe some eggs Benny? They do it? I'm, I'm, always, I'm always hungry, yeah. <laughs> actually, when, when we have guests come over to tour, they often will make pies and cookies and stuff so you can have little takeaways. But you know, um, I, I, I'm going to interject if you don't mind. I, I've had a tour of Covenant House, honestly. It brought tears to my eyes. It really did. Yeah. It's, it's very powerful. It's a powerful experience because I see what's going on. I see the troubled youth and I see the love that you're giving to them. And it, it brings tears to my eyes, so God bless you all. But anyway, oh. I, 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 uh, I, I, I went off on a tangerine there. Please it's carry okay. on. No, it's okay because there's a flip side to what you're saying, which here as staff, we have the unbelievable ability to witness every day the transformation of our youth. So to see them go to, from a place of despair to a place of believing that they have a future is a remarkable thing. Hope is, so, a, beautiful, is, is a beautiful four-letter word. Absolutely sure. amazing. Yeah. So we see that every day, and it's a, it's a real gift that we get from working with these kids. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's estimated that, that there is as many as 1,000 to 2,000 homeless youth living on the streets in Toronto every night. Like, that's a big, fat number. And in Canada, a minimum of 35,000 youth over the course of a year uh, have, have no place to call home. Like, the, the, these statistics in, in this society of ours, is just, they're hard to swallow. Do you not agree? 
Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest issues is that people really don't understand the issue of homelessness in particular, where, you know, often people will see these kids on the street and they'll think, oh, you know, they don't want to be at home, they're, they don't want to follow the rules, and, you know, that, that kind of thing. But quite frankly, most of these kids are actually fleeing really bad situations at home. Many of them have been abused, neglected. Uh, and then we have a bunch of other kids who basically have thrown, been thrown out of their homes because of their family's inability to accept their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And so you end up with these really disenfranchised youth as a result. And, um, you know, one of the things that holds all these kids together is the mere fact that they don't have any place to go. And sadly, in some cases, they don't believe that there's anyone there who really cares about them and that they don't have anyone to turn to. Um, so, you know, you end up with this really uh, desperate situation. And um, so, you know, when they, when they arrive here, we try and show them that there is another way, that there are people who believe in them, there are people who will care for them, and that they do have an opportunity to, to uh, have a much better life. And we see that transformation, and it's an amazing thing to witness. It's very, 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 very powerful stuff. Look, Josie, I, I want to help you. Um, and as such, I, I'm going to defer to Mike Bellamy because he's going he's to give the audience a few more ideas as to yeah. how they can tax effectively funnel money from idle assets on their end to active assets on your end. So I want you to stay tuned. Uh, there's more to talk about with Covenant House and my friend Josie right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio with the Wolf on Bay Street, Wolfgang Klein. For a podcast of today's show, go to 640toronto.com or wolfgangkline.com. Now, back to the show. Here's Wolfgang and Jack. Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio AM 640. We're on the phone with Josie from Covenant House. Josie, thank you for sticking around and welcome back. Thank you. So, Josie, I want to I now deflect this over to Mike Bellamy, our financial planner and insurance specialist, because I think people often overlook a very powerful tool in terms of giving, and that is insurance. So, Mike, thank you for joining us and share with us how, in fact, can you utilize life insurance to give and get? Happy to be here, Wolf. Yeah, Thank so you. a lot of people use life insurance to essentially gift more than they may be able to from their own personal cash flow. So the two ways we see people looking at insurance, one, they can use insurance, keep it to themselves and in their will or direct it in the beneficiary of the insurance, have that money go to a certain charity. and Upon, upon death. Upon death. And at that point, their terminal tax return would receive the tax benefit which is up to 100% rather than 75% of your income if you donated it 
today. So if they had a living. big tax liability, for example, a Muskoka cottage yep. that people are driving to this weekend, that big Muskoka cottage that's worth two million bucks that they paid a hundred thousand dollars for, hence a one point nine million dollar capital gain, taxed at twenty five percent, a five hundred thousand dollar tax bill. You can offset that with life insurance. Life insurance and the charitable and donation. And the, char- the charitable donation. Exactly. And the good thing about that as well is you may say you contributed $1,000 for the next 10 years. And at the end of the day, you may be giving $200,000 to charity rather than your $1,000 you may have given for the next 10 years. So it does allow your dollar to go a lot further at that point. Um, another benefit for people is sometimes they'll give the insurance policy directly to the charity. So the charity becomes the owner and the beneficiary while they're alive. A lot of times this works for clients who are still working and need the tax benefit immediately. Up front, not at death. uh, Not at death. So the charity would own the policy and they'd be the beneficiary and you would be donating. So paying the premiums each year. So if the premium is $10,000 a year, you would be paying that premium to the charity. The charity would pay for the life insurance, and then you would get that $10,000 credit each year. Upon your passing, the charity then receives that large lump sum of money at mm-hmm. the end. So there are two very good options. One, if you have a large tax bill at the at the end of your life, and one- I.e. Muskoka you, Cottage. I.e. Muskoka Cottage. And second, if you need tax you know, reduction right yeah, now. Yeah, if you make more than 50 bucks, you're taxed at 50%. Yeah, you need yeah, it right now. Like exactly, we all yeah. Yeah, so, 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 Josie, so tell me something, because uh, there's another way that, that people can, can donate, and I've never done this, and I don't know why, because I'm in the business, so it's, they're, they're, they're cobblers, kids have no shoes sometimes, my good friend, but I, when, I, when I donate to Covenant House, I do it every year at Christmas, I write you a check. And I get 50% back on it, and, 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 and that's good. Um, but I've never donated stock, and I really should do that. I should donate stock to you that I have a big fat capital gain in, and that way you get the full benefit of the market value, but I don't have to pay the capital gains tax, and yet I get credit for the full donation. So that's a very powerful way to donate. And again, give and get at the same time. So how many of your donors contribute to Covenant House in these manners? Well, we have a number of donors who do both life insurance as well as stock. And, um, I mean, some folks have been sitting on stock for a very long time, and they forget sometimes that they have it. Mm -hmm. And um, so you don't have to be someone of huge means in some cases to have to be sitting on stock gifts that you might uh stock that you might want to actually dispose in this manner but you're absolutely right the the ability to um avoid the um the the capital gains is uh is uh, a a big um it's a big incentive uh, uh, yes incentive in this manner for sure uh so we we get i'd say somewhere around Three to five hundred thousand dollars worth of of stock donations a year three to three sort of three to five hundred thousand yeah. And yet your total donations are about $25 million? $25 million. So not enough people so not, know enough. about it. Right. That's, that's the, the issue. Well, that's why we're here, Josie. Yes. That's that why is we're why we're here this morning. So <laughs> look, Josie, it's been an absolute pleasure. I have so much time for Covenant House. You do wonderful work. So please, God bless you. Keep up the good work. And friends, brothers and sisters, give to your wonderful charity, Covenant House. Thank you very kindly. I want, I want to deflect so over to the other charity that appears is a millennials. Uh, <laughs> Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Well, How are you? Me. I'm great. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're excited? I'm very excited. Well, I'm happy to hear that. So what's it like to be a millennial and, 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 and deal with the baby boomers out there at the same time? You see what they have and what you don't have. How does it make you feel? 
Um, it makes me feel a little sad, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think it's difficult. I think um, millennials get a hard uh, rap. They do get there. a bad rap. Uh, Unjustifiable. I, yeah, and I think we work hard. Um, I th- certainly believe I work hard. Um, but, you know, I think I'd like to own a house at some point. I'd like to be able to afford lots of lovely things. Um, can, can I ask how much money you make on the radio? <laughs> sure. You don't have to answer. I don't know if I feel comfortable answering. They, they, then don't answer the question. Just don't answer the question. Um, well, well, millennials, 30-somethings, living in Toronto, well, what's the average salary of your just, just average for you. I don't, not specific to you, just your, your cohorts. Well, I know like the average salary in Canada for a household is 60,000. <laughs> 60, 60,000, yeah. But let's talk to the urban centers. Urban centers. Mike, yeah, Toronto, Vancouver. What do you think? For, for from, millennials. From 30, clients that I met 30s. with, et cetera, I would say it's anywhere from seventy to 100000 dollars to $100,000. Do you think you could you could make it happen in Toronto, Ellie, on seventy to $100,000? Uh, yeah, I think I am making it happen. But I think what is difficult for me is to see the forest through the trees and how do I, in five years from now, have enough money in the bank to put a down payment on a condo, for example, when I'm paying you know, very high amounts of money in rent and transportation. And then there's living, right? Going out, having dinner, enjoying yourself. Which you need to do as well, yeah. Well, you know, Brad Lamb said you can do it. I know you can do it, Allie. And, you know, <laughs> you, you and I are becoming good friends, so, so Mike Bellamy and I are going to help you do it. Um, folks, if you have a millennial in the house, I want you to have them to stay tuned. Turn up the radio because we're here to help millennials right now on this long weekend on Hi-Fi Radio, AM 640, right after this. Money. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. Money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM 640 studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. Do you know anyone who was born between 1980 and 2000? I know you do. And guess what? They've been coined millennial. In the studio, we got two of them. Michael Bellamy, financial planner, Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, and Ali Adams, Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management Marketing Guru. <laughs> Ali Adams. Welcome to the show, folks, and thank you very kindly. Let's keep it going here. So we're here to help, well, Ali and Michael. You guys both could use some help. Uh, but Michael is three three years your senior, Ali, so he's going to uh, he's going to drive so this show wiser. here. I'm getting, yeah. getting older. Yeah. But but the name of the game is you know can millennials survive in the urban centers? Can, can they lay down some roots, have a house, raise a family, as their parents did in, in, in the cities of Toronto and Vancouver? Uh, and and we, we know how difficult it is. So uh, really, we're here to share with you your pain and try to offer you some solutions. Uh, so, so continue on, Ellie. Uh, you know, what's going through your mind as, as, as you go through your career and you see your friends, you know, begin to get married um, and you see the price of real estate continue to rise? What's, 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 what's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I wonder if even real estate is the best option or if there are other options out there um, and where is the best place to put uh, my money and what I can do with it and how you manage incoming cash flow, how you manage debt. Um, you know, financial literacy, I think, in general, is something that our generation missed out on a little bit. Um, so being able to have people like Michael and you to sort of walk me through it, um, because I don't necessarily know the best options for paying down credit card debt and 
those sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, we, and like Ali said, we did miss that financial education, I feel. Um, meeting you, with you, no, 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 you didn't. We all missed it. It was something. Mm-hmm. They, they, don't, they never taught this stuff in school, boys, they boys should, and girls. The they, absolutely, they should. And maybe I should, I should do a course. It crossed my mind, actually, to do, to do a little financial literacy course. But uh, well, maybe we're going to do that on the radio here. That's yeah. what this is all about. I did, I, read an article. Yeah, I did read an article. They were starting to do it in high schools. You know, like, you know we, had, we had the wealthy barber. Yep. We had yep. the wealthy barber, yeah, and guess book. what? It's still in print. I think it's Great. about the 18th edition. Yep. Same story. It's you a good wrote a story. Second book too. I think no, an, an 18th. Mm. So <laughs> nothing's really changed. Uh, you know, my parents taught me about compound interest when I was a 10 year old. I kid you not. As a 10 year old, I had a paper with the Toronto Star, door to door, hand out your newspapers. You got your little Christmas bonus of 25 cents. You saved a little money, and at some point, I raised 500 dollars when I was 10. And we're talking 1975. Whoa, yep. uh, boy, oh boy, interest rates were about eight. So my dad said, "Well, if you invest that money and you leave it alone for around eight years, it'll 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 double." Um, I said, "How's that work, Dad?" And he explained to me that your interest can start to earn interest; hence, your growth begins to grow, uh, and that's really what you know it's all about. Uh, if you look at any type of asset over periods of time, the chart is never. It doesn't appear linear. It appears almost like a hockey stick because that compounding effect, the exponential effect, seems to affect the geometry of the line. And that's, the, that's just the way mathematics works. Yeah, and I was, t- I was telling Ali on the way here, if you, the earlier you start, the easier it is on yourself. If you, you, know, you see clients that wait until the mortgage is paid off and then you know, they're 50 and they're trying to pack away a whole bunch of money until 65, you look at, at that point, They've had to put astronomical amounts of money away just to get to where they need to be. Whereas if you can start, you know, right out of university or right now at age 30 or 33 like myself, it just makes everything easier for you. So that number that you need to save to hit your goal is a lower, more attainable number. And as your career grows, you can continue to put that attainable number away and then have extra cash flow. Ellie, I pop tested. I, I went into Ellie's office not this week, this week, and I gave her a table. So, Allie, I want you now yeah. to share with the audience that table I showed you because I want to see if you were paying attention. I know you were. Yeah. So tell, let's, let's talk about that table because you tied right into what Mike's talking about time. Yes. Do you remember how it worked? Vaguely. Vague. Do you want me to explain to us? <laughs> Perhaps pipe? you may want to refresh All my right, memory. All right, we're going to go through this again. It's very simple. The, 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 the power of money. There's an individual who began saving $2,000 a year at the age of 23. And I think it was eight or t- call it age 20. He banned saving 2000 bucks a year at age 20. And by age 30 or 32, he stopped saving. So over the course of 10 or 12 years, he put in uh, 20000 bucks. At, left alone, and the money grew at a 10% compounding rate, which is a bit aggressive, but that's fine, at a 10% compounding rate. So age 20, he saved. Age 30, he stopped. He saved in total about 20000 bucks, And at age 65, he ended up with a million dollars. The second person did not start at 20, they began at age 30 and put in $2,000 a year and from age 30 to age 65, which meant the aggregate amount was about $70,000, so almost four times as much as the previous person, and they ended up with the same amount of money. So Wolf, how much of my income should I be saving Mm -hmm. and how much at a maximum should I be spending on rent? Yeah, two very good questions. I'm going to say the savings question, I'm going to answer it two ways. Number one, I'm going to save as much as possible. And then number two, I'm going to say minimum, if you're single, 
I'm going to say minimum 20 to 25%. If you were married, I'd say maybe less so 10%. But the wealthy barber said, 10%. pay yourself first 10%. Yeah. So again, I like to upfront things like you like to start saving early, Mike. Yeah. I like to save more than that 10%. And I did that when I was in my early 20s. I know Brad Lamb did the same thing. So as much as you can possibly save. But you know, you're young and you're beautiful. In other words, the world is your oyster as is. When you get old and gray like me, you got to spend money on things you don't want to spend money. You don't need to spend money to have fun. I do. Right? I need to Uber. You can walk, for example. Right. 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 So as much as you can possibly save, minimum ten points. Yeah. In terms of, but in terms of the rent question, that's different. Uh, again, Ali, for years I lived in a. I owned a house and I lived in the basement of the house and I rented out the main floor. And there were kids up there and they were playing basketball. They're running back and forth. They drove me nuts. But I grinned and bared it, and I delayed gratification for a nicer home. And again, that's what I think Brad Lamb's talking about. Um, so again, in terms of rent. I know people who live in Toronto for a thousand bucks a month, and I know people who live in Toronto for thirty-five hundred bucks a month. And the answer to the question is, what's better? I'd say a thousand dollars a month. What are you spending your rent? Seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred bucks a month. <laughs> well, so more do you, by yourself. Do you by myself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, by, by yourself, yeah. Have you thought about getting a roommate, maybe for a few years to save some money? I had a roommate, mm -hmm. and just got just got rid of the roommate. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like a, a much larger cost than I had before. Um, but I don't know. I'm 30 and I want to be independent. Well, you know, the other thing that we, we spoke to you about uh, in the office, Ali, is you got some credit card debt. Yeah. And you actually have some, uh, do you have any savings at all? Yeah. You have some savings, but you also have some credit card debt. Yeah. So the 18% rate of return answer right now we're going to give you for free is pay off your credit card debt and that's going to save you 18%. That's egregious. That's larceny, as they would say to a poor goaltender <laughs> who let a goal in the net, my good friend. But Ali, you're, you're now going to be our case study, so you, we're not get, you're not getting away from us. We're going we're to work on a plan for you. We're going to present the plan to you all on the radio, and we're going to show Ali Adams how she can become an independent mil, uh, a millennial with a plan built for a millionaire. How's that? A millennial plan for a millionaire. Hey, that's what we're going to do. Sounds awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Coming up next, phases and cycles. Chili's and trends. It's all about technical analysis with Ron Meisels of Phase and Cycles right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 studios in Toronto. Welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio. If you have any questions about today's show or financial questions you need answered, go to WolfgangKlein.com. And now, back to the show. Here's Wolfgang and Jack. All right, friends, this is the last one, so stay tuned. It's going to be good. Ron Meisel's Phases and Cycles. Sounds like phasers on Stun to me. I don't know if you know the band FM, but they were a pretty cool band in the 80s. I date myself, but hey, this is Hi-Fi Radio. After all, Ron, thank you, and welcome to the show on this long weekend. Appreciate you being here with us. We're glad to be here, or there. Yeah, here, there, everywhere, my good friend. You're in Montreal, aren't you? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, well, I see you, you know, I see you in town a lot, i.e. Toronto a lot, and see you on television on BNN. So, uh, look, Ron, you're a technician, uh, stock technician, market technician. Uh, so tell us, what are the tea leaves telling you about where we are at in May? And, 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 is it a sell in May, go away type of day? Well, first of all, it's called a technical analyst, to be exact. I appreciate that. OK, 
Okay, and uh, everybody believe the, this business of telling me I go away has been going around in circles since probably Jesus was a little baby. <laughs> That's beautiful. And sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. Uh, you cannot rely on that particular thing because it depends on where you are within the bull market. If you're really in a bull market, then selling May away is not going to work very much. If you're in the bear market, selling May is going to be big. Oh, that, that's good, actually. Very, very good. I, uh, uh, I'm good friends with Brooke Thackeray, and he's very much a, a, a seasonal-type uh, investor. Um, and I've seen his statistics on it, but uh, I like the way you uh, synthesize that. So, uh, bull market. Uh, I believe we've been in a bull market since 2011. You may say it's been a bull market since 2009. Either or, we're in a bull market. Does it continue, Ron? Yes, we've been in a bull market, in my estimation, until 2009. We went through, in this bull market, we went through a number of ups and a number of downs. Historically, we count things by five in the bull market. And so we have completed like one, two, three, four. That's Elliott Wave Talk, isn't it? That is correct. It's, uh, it's um, a gentleman called Elliot who did this. I, I, I never bought into him. I have quacky stuff, in my opinion. No, it isn't. And no, it, you like Elliot Wave. I can't make sense. If you ask three guys about Elliot Wave, you get three different answers, I find. I'm sorry? If you ask three different, tech, if you ask three different technicians about an Elliot Wave pattern, you're going to get three different answers, I believe. You, problem, you, you obviously you, you don't agree with me? The problem is that people trying to nitpick uh, daily events using Elliot, that does not work. The big picture works. So if you're looking at an Elliot wave and trying to find the way the market works on a long-term basis, Elliot will help you. If you're trying to become nitpicky, uh, forget it. So, so it works in the macro, works in the, in the bigger cycle, you're saying? And that is correct. Okay, well that, that's interesting too, Ron. Thank you for that. So, so where are we in the cycle? Well, as I said, we are just we have completed one, two, three, four. We begin five. And that's an up leg or a down leg? Wait a minute, Wolfgang. <laughs> <laughs> my my answer to is an up leg on, or down leg is yes. No, no, kidding. Uh, leg one, three, and five are up, mm -hmm. and two and four are corrective. Mm -hmm. We have completed one up, two down, three up, four down. And we begin leg five in February of 2016. Mm -hmm. Since February 2016, we've been in that leg five, very bullish leg, uh, but very narrow stock participation in leg five. So anything that happened in leg three, which was very powerful, for example, an IBM, uh, is not going to participate and has not particip participated in leg five. But mm -hmm. other stocks that come alive in leg five. Now, within leg five, we have come. Do you want me to use the S&P or the Dow? Which numbers should we should you use? use? Yeah, you use the S&P. The S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in America. That so that's the, the barometer. The S&P has managed to get up, go up to 2,400 very recently, mm -hmm. and since then it's been sort of slipping sleeping between 2400 and 2325 and even yesterday's or the day before action is still within that range we could have a little pullback from that range on the downside maybe to 232275 mm -hmm. at the same time our research suggests that sooner or later 
we're going to cross 2,400 on the upside and have another up leg. Mm-hmm. How big would the up leg be, in your opinion? Our current target is 2,650. Mm-hmm. Now, Ron, in the interest of time, I want you to, uh, I'm going to help you shift gears here, all right? And your Renault that you probably drive there in Montreal, my good friend. <laughs> Allie Adams in the studio. She's a millennial, yeah. a 30-something. Thirty-something, you know, it, it's tougher out there. Rent is more expensive. Real estate is more expensive. Interest rates are zero, and the stock market is trading at an all-time high with a multiple of around seventeen. What is your advice to my friend Ali Adams, the millennial, and our, our, our new case study on AM six forty Hi-Fi Radio? What's your advice to her? My advice to him is her. It's a, she's a lady. Oh, I'm sorry. My advice okay. is exactly because interest rates are low. And never mind what the evaluation is on the market. <clears throat> at uh, at as you as you mentioned, there are still on the upside, but she has to going to have to be very uh, selective in what is she going to buy. Mm-hmm. It's funny because we had a real estate expert on, and he said, you know, something. It really doesn't matter where you enter the market because you're buying a place to live, and you're going to live in it hopefully for 25 or 30 years. Now, obviously, our market, Mar- uh, Ron, that you and I talk about all the time, is the equity market, and the problem that we have is actually self-inflicted in that we allow constant liquidity. So, if people want to sell anything, they're not going to sell their home or their cottage or their business. They're going to sell their equity. They call us up and say, "I want to sell." The market's going to fall. Trump, Trump, Trump's not getting anything done. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. You're talking Elliott Way, but uh, Main Street right now, uh, you know, J.P. Morgan's work, Goldman's work, RBC's work, front cover every day. It's all about Trump, the Trump trade on, the Trump trade off. What's your opinion about the Trump trade? Forget about it. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love it. Ron Meisel's Phases and Cycles. Ron, I'm going to get you back on. We sort of had to cut you short here, uh, but it, it's a real pleasure, and we're going to have you back on. I want to learn more about your Elliott Wave theory, because uh, certainly there's got to be some meat to it. Uh, he sold enough books, Prector, with Conquer the Crash. We all conquered it. Here we are, all-time highs. Thank you very kindly for this long weekend. Folks, you've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio, AM640. Jack is away. The mice played with Mike Bellamy in the studio. And our millennial case study, Ali Adams. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, and I wish you all a great long weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email wolfandjack at wolfgangkline.com. For the podcast of today's show, go to 640toronto.com. New shows every week. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.